Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And we're back. Yeah, for another weekly episode of Ye Old Church Planner Podcast. Hey, I was going to tell you, I was uh, reading our reviews again. You know, oh. a mistake I should never make. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Triggered. There was another two-star <laughs> review. I got to skip through the first half hour of this podcast because they talk too much about stupid stuff. I was like, <laughs> dude, I'll give you your money back. How about that? Hey, hey, uh, guilty as charged. We definitely do talk about stupid stuff. We actually were going to flip it. Uh, so if you're listening to this episode and Smack Talk is flipped, um, there's a reason. But we actually have a guest today, so we probably won't even do that because uh, we, we figure that if you get your church planning goodness, it's like a tipsy roll pop, right? Like you should you should have to lick that candy for a while before you get to chew on the caramel. You know what I'm talking about? I think we should just stop going down that that analogy road right i said lick and it made pete uncomfortable really did all right all right well on on that note i mean (laughs) listen reviewers if you're worried about the first 30 minutes being the problem with our podcast you're focusing on the wrong thing there's a lot worse with our podcast than that as just demonstrated (laughs) well hey guys we uh we are really excited to have uh someone that i wait oh 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 oh. great scott it's time for this week's topic let's get down to the nitty-gritty i mean how do we not intro with that yeah, that's so, pretty good, actually. There you go. All right. Well, our our guest today is someone that I'm really happy to introduce for multiple reasons. Um, a, I respect the crap out of him. Um, he knows a buttload about the gospel, like Nacho Libre said. Um, but he also knows a lot about digital media. His name is Chesley Lunday. Uh, Lundy? Lunday? 
How do I even? Monday. I mean, Su- Sunday, I'm, but I'm, with an L. See, yeah, so it's the eighth day of the week. You, I've been calling you. Oh, Lundy, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been calling you Chesley Lundy for all these years, but uh, as if the A were silent. But let me tell you a little bit about Chesley Lundy. He's he's got some cool stuff. Few few years back, pre-COVID. Uh, Chesley was kind of at the center. I was working at Exponential right as COVID broke, but Chesley was kind of on the scene. To me, I look back and I think, gosh, this was almost prophetic because before everybody uh, got to the point where they thought, oh, I'm going to broadcast my church service as if that was the innovation of technology, Chesley was kind of presenting uh, digital space as the apostolic playground. And he actually, whereas others couldn't win me over to it, I was very skeptical and like, mm, not sure. It was Chesley. We went to lunch. He opened it up to me. I got it. And the reason why is because Chesley, above all of the voices that I was hearing on it, was the only practitioner in that space. Everybody had it as a concept, as an idea. But Chesley was out there doing it. In fact, I don't know if he'll tell you this, but he was actually the very first nonprofit uh, person in the religious space to use. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm blanking out here. Um, we, we all know this mighty networks. And he is largely one of the reasons that everybody today, uh, most of the nonprofit or church or training orgs are using it is because Chesley was the one that told everyone, hey, you need to do that. So you may not know him, but you will. And one of the cool things about Chesley is he is going to uh, take a show uh, just like uh, Bobby Hernandez. We know him as Robert, a little more formal for us. Our relationship is professional. But uh, he's going to take on a show on Digital Church. He'll tell you a little bit about that today. But Chesley, man, without any further ado, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm excited. I, you know what I'm most excited about, though, is I have never had a Tootsie Roll pop with caramel in the center. So, Ooh, oh, um, yeah, it, you know, <laughs> I said caramel, didn't I? And, and it's, it's, it's all right. Really I'm caramel. like, hey, it, it, you know, I'm a mellish. It's it's yeah, yeah, caramel. It's like nougat yeah. and caramel had a baby. But uh, yeah, you're mm. right. It's not really caramel, is it? What is <laughs> well, it to do? You know? Who knows? You live in California. It's the land of fruits and nuts and caramel tootsie rolls. So. <laughs> <laughs> Did we invent tootsie rolls? Should we be blamed for tootsie rolls? That's what I want. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'll have to get back you know, on that. You can blame Google us for that. most stuff. So that yeah. that would be. But I kind of, I think a tootsie roll is good. You're not in the mood for chocolate. It's kind of chocolatey. You're not in the mood for caramel. It's kind of caramel. You're not in the mood for nougat. But it's kind of nougaty. So you have a little bit of each, and you got yourself a Tootsie Roll. But then you want some hard candy, you got a Tootsie Roll pop. And by the way, Urban Legend, do you guys all remember this when you grew up with Tootsie Rolls? That rapper, the Urban Legend was, mm-hmm. if the rapper had the star that the in, that Native American was pointing to, <laughs> you could go to any liquor store and turn it in, and they had to give you a free Tootsie Roll pop. That was the Urban Legend. It didn't work. I tried it. Occasionally, the guy behind the counter feels sorry for us and think, ah, here, yeah, yeah, here's your free Tootsie Roll Pop. So every once so in a while, it worked. did work. There you a, go. A couple times it worked for me. 
but I think it was more because they felt sorry for us. But that was the urban legend, one true. Pete, this segment needs to be do the Tootsie Roll. The Tootsie nice, roll. nice, <laughs> nice. I like hey, it. Hey, hey, now yeah. that you guys are saying the word Tootsie, now I'm un- uncomfortable because I don't quite know what that oh. means. I'm pretty sure it's not yeah. good. Uh, yeah, who, who knows? I don't know. I don't well, know. Hey, I'm man, too young let, to know. I let's just know open, the song. Let's open this can of digital worms here and talk about digital space. That is something that you were uh, not only a pioneering practitioner in. How did you kind of, I mean, okay, you're a millennial. You're a little bit younger than than us. Pete and I are old people, right? Like we're already sitting on rocking chairs talking about the younger generation you know, crochet. back in my day, crochet. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We're Gen Xers though. So we're not really involved in the culture war. Uh, the, the common, common thread with Gen Xers is we don't care. And actually, I think for us, we look at generations on both sides of us and think, oh, you guys are both idiots, but um, you're God's idiots. So let's just work together. Let's get this done. But here's the deal. Um, you got in that space. How did you get into the digital space? What was, what, did, how did that pop for you? Yeah, there, there was a few things over the year. I was a church planter, replanter, I should say church replanter in Omaha, Nebraska. And I was mm. uh, in a room with about 30 pastors in our denomination. Were, were you and trying I was, to get Warren Buffett at your church? Just- <laughs> yes. To be an investor, like early say, Hey, you will, we'll, we'll save you a seat in heaven. If you just give us like hundred. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. That'd be good. Can we though, search right? your couch cushions, Mr. Buffett. Come on. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, been great. You know, the beauty, beautiful part about that is his house is not that big compared to some of the other people that have tons of money. So, um, really cool tidbit that nobody cares about, but, um, yeah, so I'm sitting in that room um with you know 30 some odd pastors and they're talking about how to reach millennials and gen z and as a church replanter what i kept running into was the those guys that were unchurched uh young professionals loved us loved my wife loved me wanted to hang out with us in our homes uh they did not want to go to church and um and so i'm sitting there i'm the youngest by like 25 30 years in this room and they talk for 45 minutes amongst themselves about how to reach uh millennials at that time this was in the mid 210s um 20 20 teens sorry um and then they finally 45 minutes into the conversation they're like hey what do you think you're the millennial in the room um and i said you know what i'm really experimenting with this question is what if the church didn't have a building and they all laughed at me and then went about their conversation because they're like, that's dumb. That will never happen. You're a cute kid, you know, idiot millennial doesn't know what he's talking about, you know? Um, and then, so I ended up in Phoenix, Arizona as a youth and young adult pastor, 2020 came around. Um, I've been playing around with digital communities with, uh, mighty networks and, uh, another one called honeycomb. Um, which Lady Gaga is on in her uh, Little Monsters. So that's mm-hmm. pretty fun. <clears throat> and uh, when 2020 happened, we we had been beta testing the uh, digital community for students and uh, and their mentors to be able to have spiritual conversations in a safe environment. Um, and, you know, <laughs> when everything shuts down, it blew up. So it was great. 
or the only person in a 5 million person town that actually had ministry going on. And so I'm sitting there back as a staff member going, Oh, this will work. Mm. Who knew? Like mm. this actually, you know, broadcasting is one thing, but broadcasting a sermon is tantamount to having a YouTube video. There's not real discipleship going. It's yeah. one way communication. So, um, it, it, the, the last thing that really put me over the edge is I had a Gen Zer um, when I was in student ministry, 2021, um, hanging out on my couch and we had the app going and I could tell something was wrong. There's, you know, 45 people in the house, all teenagers and some, some adult volunteers. And I could tell someone's wrong. And I said, Hey, you want to talk about it? And they're like, no, I'm like, well, if you feel comfortable, why don't you get on the app and DM me five minutes later, I've got this three paragraph thing on a DM telling me stuff. I don't want to know. Mm. And this person was sitting right next to me on a couch and didn't want to say anything and yet would bear their heart and soul on digital technology because there was a, there is a safety and anonymity there that allowed them to put down their facade and, uh, and the masks that they're wearing and actually be authentic. Mm. And I just, <clears throat> I'm like, you, wow, that, go ahead. You bring up a good point there. Some, something that Gary Vaynerchuk has been saying for years is in response to when people say, you know, the internet's made us, you know, aggressive, hostile, gross, you know, whatever. Vaynerchuk says, no, the internet is just revealing who we really are. <laughs> so and, true. and I think that is true. Well, like you said, when there's no social pressure, it's like a Freudian thing, right? When he talks about mm -hmm. the ego, the super ego and the id, the id is the real you, right? Your ego is the gatekeeper that says, ah, uh, I don't know if I can really give full vent to my nature, you know, but it's like Freud is actually pretty biblical on this. The superego is culture and society, and it will chew me up and spit me out mm -hmm. if I give full vent. <laughs> so the ego moderates what people can see. It's like that Victorian facade um, mm. that that protects, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I'm Jekyll by day, Hyde by night uh, in anonymity. But the Internet did do that. It actually I believe that people are beginning to understand sin nature more than than before. And actually, in many cases, they're. They're um, embracing it, actually, in, in mm -hmm. culture and society, where if we watch our movies or shows, the Internet has so normalized the id or the or the sin nature that now uh, there's a moral ambiguity. Like people are like, oh, mm -hmm. this is just who we are, you know? Yeah. And <clears throat> I'll say on the flip side, since you since you brought up Gary Vee, I'm just going to read a quote from him that flo absolutely floored me and. You know, we talked about digital being the apostolic space, the apostolic frontier. Here's what he said. Now, if you don't know who Gary Vee is, he's probably the preeminent digital marketing entrepreneur in the U.S. right now, yeah. just killing it. And uh, I don't know if he's a Christian or not with all the F words that he throws in. <laughs> not sure, but uh, but he did say this. He's like he was talking to a rapper, a uh, pretty well-known rapper on his podcast. And he says, I think the genre he, the rapper is walking into, which is modern spirituality is really neat. What I sense is that it is similar to what happened with fitness, fitness in the seventies and eighties, was much smaller. You'd be stunned by what people wrote about going to the gym in the seventies. 
It was a little culty. It doesn't mean anything. He's growing up in a way like having an exercise regimen uh, of sorts is the most normal thing. I'm old enough. This is Gary saying this. I'm old enough to know nobody thought like that except the gold gyms dudes. Mm. Today, in the last five years, I think the concept of being spiritual, the breathing, the mental health, all of this matter five years ago. Now, it's like at the forefront. The appetite for it, we haven't begun to feel fill. So when I hear what he wants to do and where the world is there and where the world is there is not enough supply for the demand, especially on the male front. And I'm like, we have 300,000 churches in America. Mm, <laughs> it's like, right? And he just blew over that and said, there's not enough supply for the demand of spiritual hunger in the nation. Well, mm -hmm. why? Because our methodology sucks. It doesn't work for the next generation. Okay, so, so I want to hit on that because yeah. you have made some statements to me concerning the church's understanding and use of digital technology that um, floored me. Um, it really puts it in perspective how behind the church is on this stuff. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so when we look at digital technology, uh, it has been an ability to uh, – begin to gain access and have information at your fingertips. The problem with that is that for 1700 years, our church model has been about a sage on a stage, proliferating information to a, a, a mostly agrarian society. Well, we're not that anymore. We're mobile, we're technological, we're already in the information age. And um, so what it does is it's commoditized the very thing we bring to the table. Now, here's what I think that churches have lacked. The ability to center people around information as the gathering point uh, made up and covered up our inability to actually create communities of practice. And so now that it's commoditized, everybody's like, why would I come to a building? I'm not saying having a building and I'm not saying preaching is wrong, but when you devalue the information because we have tons of it, there needs to be a different skill set that draws people into community of faith. And the reality is that is actual community and it's mature spiritual growth. And we don't have a discipleship pathway and a transformation pathway for people. You ask a discipleship uh, department in a large church what their definition their shared definition of discipleship is mm. and the answer i get oftentimes is you have nine people in a room and you have 11 different definitions that tells me you don't not only do you not have a shared definition you don't have a process that undergirds that right so that's the first piece the second piece is how do you actually bring people together and connect well we don't do that very well we you know do who does have a disciple-making process? New yeah. Brain. Join us at... No, just joking. <laughs> there you go. Listen, yeah. Listen, I, and I love that because... <laughs> Cha-ching! Here, here's what I love is you are... Okay, this is why you convinced me because post-COVID, the mission is soul care, and you already mm -hmm. alluded to that, right? Uh, you can just see it. Everybody's worn out. Everybody's broken and busted up. And people are actually, I would say, more ripe. We think, oh, they're messed up. 
we're messed up. Christians are messed mm-hmm. up. Non-Christians, like, doesn't matter. Like, we all, COVID jacked everyone. It played a number on everybody. Um, it it unsettled the world. It pulled the rug. It caused people to be face-to-face with their immortality. And the church's answer was to broadcast a church service. Yes. Here, church, here's a church service. It's like as if Jesus walking around, who is providing soul care and encounters and discipleship, suddenly just decided, you know what the answer to everything is? To a broken world? A church service. And Jesus didn't do that. And I love that for you, you see it as more of the apostolic. You made a statement to me not long ago where you said, you know, the the world has moved on to internet 3.0 and the church has just discovered 2.0 and yeah. thinks it gets digital. Yeah. Right? Like the church is just patting its back. Oh, look, check it out. We found 2.0. Right. Yeah. And and it's 3.0 now. What does that mean? And where should the church yeah. be going? So uh web 1.0 was um it it, it was communication, think email think we're able to move information from one point to another. Um, 2.0 is when like MySpace and Facebook came along and created the connectivity. So it became about community. And I mean, and the truth is web has always been about connection. And so, um, so we built community digital communities. And the problem is, is those got co-opted by, uh, the economic system that, that said, Hey, we need to, we need to have people stay on our platforms so we can feed them ads. So they'll go buy stuff. And they actually moved away from community into, uh, into really a new entertain form of entertainment. And yet there's this underbelly of this new thing with AI and with decentralized tech um, called web 3.0. And, um, so where you have these abilities to connect in 2.0 and think in terms of community in 3.0, it's building an entire ecosystem. That's like that, that puts the sovereignty specifically on the individual and not on groups of people so that you can have, uh, decentralized technology, decentralized finance, decentralized companies, <laughs> like having a company with no owner and no boss, they have what they call smart contracts to have everybody pitch in. Like they're designing these type of, uh, these type of new structures. And so when I look at d- technology and when I say digital, I'm not talking about social media. Mostly what I'm talking about is this underlying uh, infrastructure that creates decentralization, mm. you know, and we, and the church world know that this is important. This is why we have multi-sites. Um, this is why we have multiple micro churches as a network because mm. decentralization is important. It's freedom. Centralization is also important. And so there's a continuum because you, if you, if you want a community, you have to have shared DNA and shared values and shared mission. And that has to be centralized. That has to be institutionalized uh, so that the the organism will be able to sustain itself over the long haul. Mm. But with Web 3.0, what we're seeing is a new uh, a new infrastructure that honestly I'm not seeing um, anywhere else. Where maybe Star Trek, <laughs> you know, mm. kind of that utopian society. And while I'm not I'm not a U- I'm not somebody that believes in utopia without Jesus. Um, I, I see these 
understandings of there are yes. new ways to structure organizations and businesses that are built on human connectivity and not the profit mo- motive. So it's interesting that you say that because when the human heart longs for something that cannot exist without Jesus, it's part of the image of God in man that's yeah. popping off. It's that it's like what C.S. Lewis and Tolkien said. You know, they they joined this little group called the Inklings. Back then, the technology was not you know, so it was all literature, right? So they chose to engage culture with fantasy. And C.S. Lewis, towards the end of his life, he did mere Christianity. He actually got his butt handed to him um, by Dorothy Sayers in a debate and realized I could actually lose a debate like that and convince a room Christianity's not true. But if I can tap into fantasy, what I could do, and this is going back to technology, bear with me here. If I could tap into fantasy, what I'm actually tapping into is the belief in the supernatural and this utopia, as you mentioned, like a, a heaven itself, a place where the rules don't apply that we know in the physical universe. Jesus came and broke those. He called that good magic, right? In the Chronicles of Narnia, the magic of Aslan is good magic. Jesus's miracles were good magic, um, heaven's magic, whatever you want to call it. And But what he said is we all long for fantasy because we we're created in a supernatural world where God walked through the, the, the garden and the cool of the day, this, this idea that the, and our soul knows that there's something more. And so when, when I, when I hear you say that, I'm actually encouraged because I feel like I'm, I'm hearing the longing for heaven, the longing for the kingdom of God that's in the heart and soul of every man and woman, child, man or beast. Yeah, I, I I think the church of the future is going to have to understand that well enough to go. We have to move from an event-based infrastructure to an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And an ecosystem means you have to design systems and you have to z- design community in a way that it feeds off of itself and it grows itself. Um, the event space doesn't do that. And for me, I think a lot of the reasons why leaders don't do that is twofold. One is they're afraid of what they don't know. It's really hard to picture uh, that because we've never seen it before. So that fear keeps them from moving in that direction. This, the second one, and I think this is far more insidious and nobody would ever say it, but I'm the guy that says the thing that everybody's thinking, but nobody wants to say. This is, is why we can't econom- have nice things. Pete and I are the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, the economic system, the structure is not there. I don't know what it is. Like nobody's figured it out. You know, because we're so early in this new thing, new way of doing things. And that that right there, like not being able to put uh, food on the table for your kids or having to think through a new a whole new career when you're like, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life and I'm going to make fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. The the chances of that happening in this new style of ministry I don't know the answer to that yet. It's not, it's not looking good for an institutional base for, you know, um, 10 people on staff for $600,000. It's just not looking good for that. And I think that, I think people intuitively know that. And so in the American system, like it's really hard to, it's really hard to sit here and go, I I want that. So, you know, are are you saying that the future then is going to be bivocational? I am Pete. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I think there will always be some thought leaders that uh, aren't 
but they're going to be fewer and far farther between. Um, and I, I hate saying that I don't, I'm like any other red blooded American male at 37. That's a millennial. I want to, I want to make some money, you know, but, um, the reality is the, the place to make the money is not in, um, not in spiritual development that that is our calling. That's not, uh, an economic system. And while the kingdom of God, it, um, is going to need finances to run. I think less and less of it will go towards pastoring and and shepherding. I think it will go towards infrastructure so we can keep, you know, we're going to have to have servers in the next next place. We're going to have to think through digital tech and those things are not cheap. Those things are expensive. And so the people that we're paying are going to be engineers. <laughs> They're not going to be pastors. We should be shepherding, you know. Um you can shepherd and have a job. In fact, it usually makes you uh, more effective to be a shepherd and have a real job than it does uh, if you're if you're just you know doing what clergy does for forty plus hours out of the week. I want to I want to get back to your story of the uh, you know the guy sitting on your couch who'd rather DM you than talk to you personally. Explain to everyone and especially to me here what is this type of community look like that you've experienced you know at this point and i mean because i you know give me a concept here like help me to really understand yeah. what this is so the, the human psyche doesn't like to do community for community's sake for whatever reason um they don't think they need it that's why we're so connected and the and then we're we're so isolated all at the same time so what i have found that works is having a core um a core purpose for a digital community. To me, it's around learning. So uh, building a community of practice, something like new breed is perfect for this type of thing. But the reality is, and Mighty Networks just did a study, 93% um, predictor of success for a digital community is people connecting and uh, with each other, not with the content creators, but with each other. And I know that to be true. If you can share with somebody your struggles and they come in and they pipe in, the value of that, it's it's a it's like a micro network effect. Like they feel it and they feel like, oh, you see me, you understand me. I can share with you. I'm in a digital community. I moved out to Ohio a year and a half ago. I'm in a digital community for church leaders. And I just happened to go, hey, who's around this area? Um, and I had been playing around with the community and posting stuff quite regularly and found this guy that, you know, would chime in. I'm like, oh, you're like 12 miles away from me. Let's go get coffee. We've been friends for over a year. I'm getting ready to go coffee with him this afternoon again. Like, um, this is real. Digital relationships move into physical relationships, and physical relationships can move into digital, but it takes connecting in a community like you would around a single purpose. Like, why I say new breed is so important, like, if you had church planters coming together and know that they have a community of guys that know how hard it is, are going through the same things and are learning how to be more effective. And then you go, Hey, I have a problem. Do you guys have some answers to that? The, um, we already say that, uh, two heads are better than one when it comes to creating an answer to a problem. Well, you just infinitely, uh, exponentially created answers with this collective mind from the community 
that the Holy Spirit works in. The Holy Spirit works in community. And I believe that is the crux of what, what digital provides us. Is it, And Erwin McManus says this, to be a futurist in the church, you just need to be able to see the present clearly. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, I hate and love all at the same time, That's you great. know? And, and so I think web 2.0, there's a real opportunity and it's not broadcast, it's digital community. And then we can get to the other stuff. You know, there's going to be some innovators on the fringe with web 3.0 and I'm going to learn about it and I'm going to be able to see how it translates. And there's going to be new things and experiments, but the reality is if we can get web 2.0, right, right now, instead of living in the web 1.0 world, which is, Everything we do on social media and our website and online is a digital bulletin board. Yeah. That's web 1.0. Yeah, that you and that's know, what and I probably misquoted do. you because I think you you actually said that the world is is innovating 3.0 and the church is patting itself on the back for accomplishing yeah, 1.0. 1. I think that's what you said. Yeah, I misquoted you. <laughs> yeah. But You're all I right. mean, yeah, but I mean that that's that's amazing to me, right? Because that mm-hmm. is, in fact, what we saw. Like, it's still amazing to me if you think about it. It wasn't till digital, till I mean, till COVID, that the money was cut off. Now, that should be really yeah. telling. It wasn't about yeah. reaching lost people. It was about the money. No, it was about you the know? money. Can't take the offering. Yeah. I mean, I constantly heard pastors saying, I got more people watching me on Sunday, which, ooh, watching me, all that, you know, hey, yeah, that sounds like that's what's what minute. I get that there's a sense of I'm preaching the gospel, I'm this, I'm that, but that's questionable in a lot of cases with churches nowadays. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm an old man. Um, but <laughs> the reality is, is that um, it was about the money, and I have more donations coming in. Our church did better during COVID. That statement was really telling to me that um that was the that was the 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 congratulations was more money mm-hmm. came in that's interesting because i would have thought that the metric was hey everybody's worried they're going to die um and <laughs> we can engage with people about their souls right that's why i'm saying the ministry of soul care and i've watched this phenomenon happen with the church over the years i i, I made the point that years ago when the the um what was the film Mel Gibson did, The Passion? Mm-hmm. Um, when people flocked to the church after they went and saw that movie and thought, man, I should go to church. And they sat in the pew and asked the question, are you are you for me or are you for God or are you for yourself? And I think they quickly realized this: these churches are about themselves. Like I'm here, like the average unchristian couldn't understand what am I doing here? Like what? Like I watched this thing. I I felt like I encountered Jesus. Then I come to church and I encounter Pastor, Pastor Bob. And all aren't Pastor Bob's jokes funny? And oh, he's such a good speaker. And for them, they're like, no, I I really came here to experience more of Jesus, which is what I got at this movie. And you're just not giving me that. Like that. That's yeah. the power to me of where we're at. And I think if the church. You know, it, it's this is how I'm seeing it, and tell me, tell me if I'm wrong, because I know you're you, you have a lot of practical. Like, I can't wait for your show. I'll be a regular listener because yeah. this is your this is your thing. And by the way, if you guys do want to hear Chesley, he's actually joining our team. He'll be running Mighty Networks, and he'll be regularly contributing to the blog. Ralph Moore is going to start contributing uh, regularly, so we're really excited about this next iteration of what New Breed's doing. We invite you into it, but. Um, 
what's interesting to me is that um, in our interaction with people, it really is a soul care issue. Like we could interact with people like you're talking about that 3.0 innovation. And for me, apostolically, this is the apostolic frontier that you convinced me of. The, the difficulty and the challenge we're going to have is whenever the church get like discovers the next frontier for the part of the apex. Like, for example, we would say that um, the church uh, discovered um, the evangelistic very strongly during the church growth movement. So that's why I don't crap on the church growth movement. Mm-hmm. All I, I would agree with out you. is, hey, that had its place and function. A lot of great stuff, but a lot of bad stuff came out of that because they didn't bring the rest of the APEST functions with them. Now we're in a position where, man, I am so excited about this new digital world because it is the Mars Hill. It is Philip sitting in a chariot conversing with a guy from another culture, the Ethiopian who's never encountered. Like These are the spaces that are being created for us through this technology, our our challenge will be like guys like you and me and all the apostolics, when, once they see it, they won't be able to unsee it. They'll be so mm-hmm. excited about it that we might leave the rest of the church in the dust. And this yeah. is the time. It's a unique space where the apostolic and the shepherd who don't normally see eye to eye, if they would team up, could do some incredible damage, like for the king in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. I think there is an opportunity to do that because the reality is, um, I, as an apostle, I don't sit around to shepherd people well, um, but community is built for shepherds to come in, find their five to seven, and move them through a process with care and nurturing. And so I think I think digital does allow us to see a bifurcation enough in each space to be go, oh, that's good for the teacher, that's good for the shepherd, that's good for the apostle. Like, I feel like it's been muddled for a very long time. And so I know with the discipleship process, who am I going to want to get on that space to be able to do the teaching? Well, teachers. Well, you still have to move people through the process. The process in and of itself isn't going to do the job. Well, who does that well? Shepherds. Shepherds don't go places that they don't know where to go. They're about the nurturing of the sheep, right? But if they have a way, that is going to be helpful. What the apostle does is it's the, it's like the orchestrator, right? So, and then you need the evangelist to be saying, hey, and I believe this, the pulpit has moved from preaching inside to the saints to outside to the community. I, I believe that with my whole heart. I'm doing a podcast for you that's about talking and teaching about this stuff. But I have another podcast called Better Than Success with a friend of mine that we're both pastors. And we said, we don't want to talk to people inside of our church and they're never coming. (laughs) They're never coming. So what do we do? Well, we use the language of high octane young professionals about success and go, there's two races. There's one race that is uh, all about uh, money, power, and fame. And on that race, Everybody starts on a different place. This is that DEI conversation that everybody's having. You know, they talk about the race, but at the end of the day, you have to ask the question is what race is that that we're all running? <laughs> well, it's so success. Good. You know, well, it's funny because that's exactly 
where I think it's at is for us to start harnessing the technology. I'm about 20 scripts in on a podcast that is not religious, but is it's literally, it's a devotional. Um, I I won't, but for, for non-believers and I won't tell more about it because when I announce it, it'll seem really cool and awesome, but uh, I don't want any of you losers (laughs) out there ripping off my idea and beating me to it because I got a lot of stuff on my plate. So uh, anyways, Uh, this is another reason we can't, we, we abuse our audience here, Chesley. So, right. uh, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just part of, that's why we, that's why that guy also got his feelings hurt. He's not, a well, I, you know, person. I'm a, I'm a long time listener, first time caller. So I, I understand <laughs> you abuse me quite a bit too. So <laughs> no, I, you know, I think that's the beauty, you know, so that's our premise for the show is like, there's another race. It's called the race for fulfillment. Like, and everybody nice. starts in the same place, no matter where you're at. Yes, And that's what I want to help. So money, fame, power, those are okay, but those are dangerous, (laughs) you know? And so, um, I can, I can sneak in God and I can, I can do all that stuff because there's faith in that. And so that's what we're doing apostolically right now. And then using the email and then we're going to do a digital community at some point. Um, but that's what we're doing like from a practitioner's perspective. So I'm not just sitting here talking about this stuff. This is stuff we're really doing. I, you know, I spent $30,000 of my own money learning from the best digital marketers in the business to figure this out because I knew this is where the church was headed. And so, um, I think it's, I think it's super important. Um, we, I'm talking very theoretically right now, but the reality is my hope is as I'm coming on with you and new breed, when we are in the digital community with us, you actually see the model playing out right in front of your eyes. And so that's my goal. It's not about a superstar. It's everybody coming together with their own strengths, edifying each other. And yeah, there's going to be moments of this guy's got the spotlight and this guy's got the spotlight and this guy's got the spotlight. That's okay. There's more for for the rest of us too. But coming together and doing that is really great. Yeah. Like, like if you're, if you're broadcasting your thing for people to think you're having a great sermon, that's great, but you're probably not going to be, uh, uh, very used by God, right? Because the Holy Spirit turns up when you're there to glorify Jesus. And when you're actually engaging lost people, they're not going to kiss your butt. I'm going to tell you how wonderful you are. I mean, nope. you can kind of tell the leaders where it's like they want to be really respected. They're in the bubble, right? Like they, they're they just <laughs> talking to Christians all the time. The, the leaders who are like, no, I, I just want to be used by God. They're engaging lost people all the time. They don't need anyone yeah. to tell them they're wonderful. They want other people to think Jesus is wonderful, right? Like yeah. that's, yeah. that's, that's how it is. You're, you're out there. And I love your, uh, your podcast. We were talking about fulfillment because again, that was Jesus's message to the women at the well. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. out of you will come these rivers of living water. Like you, he who drinks of this water will never thirst again. Like there's this, this, that's part of the gospel of the kingdom, yeah. right? Like yeah. this is this is what I have come decided. that they may have life and life to the full. Like <laughs> I mean, yeah. that is the gospel. Uh, I agree with you, and I think uh, you know it, it, the funny thing is, as somebody that's been in the church world, you know, we put out our second episode of that podcast, and it was an interview with me and a and a CEO that runs a nine figure business, and um, he was addicted to alcohol. And, uh, because he was masking anxiety. So get this text from one of the guys. He's like, bro, F you in that title. He's like, you read my mail. (laughs) You're going to get responses like that. You would never get in the church. You would never get it. 
You know, and that I don't I know. We got a lot that. of those in refuge, huh, Pete? <laughs> well, that was <laughs> that's a different, fair. different yeah. reason altogether. <laughs> yeah. So, what are these communities looking like? Like, as a guy who's never used Mighty Network or yeah. Networks or whatever it's called, is that like what you're talking about with the community, or you know, break it down? What does it look like? So I see a community as, especially on digital, like there's a core reason, there's a purpose that we join together, you know, and for, you know, for us, for those of us that uh, love Jesus is to, to become more mature in him, we can do that. But the reality is, you know, for me, I'm backdooring. So our digital community will be about a fulfillment. We believe there's five areas of, uh, that you need to develop fulfillment in, and that's your family, your friends, your faith, your, uh, finances and your fitness, right? So five F's. Um, we give a lot of F's in our community right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm being very irreverent right now, but I feel like, feel like I could do that with you guys. Um, but the reality is that commu- that humor too allows it, uh, allows for that to work. And so we have our, it, here's, here's the way I can do it really easily. Whether you like Dave Ramsey or not, um, Dave Ramsey has the model for the future of the church in a digital community. Dave goes on the radio for three hours every day and he evangelizes his message. He has a process of transformation to take everybody through. It has not changed in 35 years. The process is broad enough that he can he can actually go deep in each one of these places. So you have the process you take everybody through. You have the content creation machine, the evangelistic side, that's the podium out to everybody in public. And you're just preaching on, uh, on a, uh, you know, in the marketplace of ideas on a little podium in front of, just think like the, the first century rabbinical model. That's what this is. So you have your, you have your transformational system. And then what you do is you have disciples that are totally bought into your system, training and caring for people to make it through the system. And then they go out and they do their thing. And some of them stay around and say, I want to help more people through. And that's what you're doing. But you do it in an asynchronous community, a digital community where you're talking to each other all the time. Yes, we'll have rhythms of content that come on. So we keep the moving the ball forward inside of the community, but it's people talking to each other saying, Hey, I've gotten to this place and I'm stuck here. Does any, has anybody dealt with that before? And then, you know, I just throw in humor because I think humor is the best way to really let Mm -hmm. people's guard down and show that we love each other and it's okay to be you here. And once they open up, like they're telling us like, you know, Super Bowl's coming. So we can talk about the Super Bowl. We don't have to talk about Jesus all the time. We don't have to talk about everything around here. The main purpose, though, is uh, to find fulfillment and go through mm-hmm. our five Fs. You know, and Dave Ramsey, it's the seven steps to financial peace. Well, you become friends with those people along the journey. So you backdoor into community. He did something great because he had he used churches to build the small groups. But what he's learning even now is he's moving. Uh, a step further, which is his asynchronous digital community, which is an app now, yeah. um, because they're realizing I can connect everybody. So I can be 150 miles away and still become friends with somebody that is uh, going through the same things I'm going through, working through the same process I'm working through and wants help. Now I, it's like having a whole team together that says, I'm for you. Guess what? When I travel, I have my app and I can see, oh, somebody's in our area. My hope is to have good technology enough to go. If I was in a, 
if I was in a coffee shop in one of our faith communities and saw this, I could see people in the coffee shop that were a part of our community so I could strike up a, a, a conversation with them. That'd be so cool. So I think Dave has the model for what church can look like in the digital age. I think New Breed is very similar to that, right? You have the podcast, you have that you have the plantology frameworks, you have uh, now the digital community, and you have cohorts that go along with that. Uh, I think I think what the church is going to look like is a uh, is a community of practice. Hmm. In that space, you don't have to have just one voice like the church does. You can have my voice. You can have hmm. Ralph's voice. You can have Jeff Vanderstelt's voice. You can have, yeah. you know, some of the big boys on the mega church side all talking about church planting because that's Love the it. number one purpose we're getting together. The truth is in the church world, we make disciples. What does that look like in people's everyday life? Hmm. That's Man. what it's going to look like. Man, that is, I mean, and that is just the tip of the iceberg. Like it's, it's exciting, man. Like you're getting me, I feel like I'm in a Rocky film. Like I want to get up and start punching people in the face in a good way, but digitally That's good. and for Jesus. Yeah. But uh, anyways, I want to thank you, man. Hey, real quick, before we uh, sign out, um, where can people track with you? Yeah, uh, two places. Um, for for prevailing model churches or businesses, we have a business that helps with social media, and it's called Halios.com. H-A-L-I-O-O-S. It's the phonetic spelling of the Greek word Fisher. So for those of you that are like, what's that word? So Halios.com. translated jump school. Yeah, jump yeah, school. Exactly. <laughs> and then... Um, I, I would say, you know, if you want to follow me from now on, I'm going to be hanging out with the new breed people. I'm putting uh, two blog posts. We're getting a, po uh, a podcast together um, to talk about innovative strategies in the digital age for, for pastors and churches and church yes. planters. Yep. Really excited about that. Chesley's taking our Mighty Networks by the horn. He knows the owner of Mighty Networks, like the founder, interviewed her. You've actually interviewed some really impressive people on your podcast, like Looking at yeah. some of your rosters, like, dang, dude, those are some 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 big boys and girls. I don't yeah. know how you got them. So, but uh, you must I be ask. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I I tell people I'm the. I told somebody else this the other day. I was like, I am the most well connected, least famous person you will ever know. <laughs> and I'm not saying that arrogantly. It just is what it is. It's awesome, dude. That's hey, man. I I always see God's favor in yeah. in that kind of stuff, but. Hey, we, we want to thank you for joining us today. I don't have any ads. I think uh, we're putting a digital ad together, funny enough. So if you hear me coming on talking, no, I'm not doing that now. I did it in my sleep. Pete, you got anything? Uh, I'm not going to push it now, but thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, <laughs> he also will have a digital message that will be shared. Well, hey, guys, uh, we want to thank you for joining us today. This has been the Church Planner Podcast, Peyton Jones, Pete Mitchell, and today's guest, Chesley Lunday. Go ahead and check him out and be sure to check out the show when it pops up on your podcast feed. So this has been Peyton and Pete reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing.